You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to take a look at the Jets over the last month. We're going to take a look at some of the lineup changes and how the team looks going forward. And we'll end the show talking about the coronavirus and the impacts it could have on the NHL. Stay tuned for all of that and more. All right, Kyle, so it's been about a month. Since our last podcast, kind of hard to believe, actually. I know you've been getting busy at with tax time. I've been getting busy with the MJHL playoffs getting started. There's been other stuff going on. And so it just makes sense. It's been a while since our last podcast. So let's kind of recap. Uh, from what I can tell, our last podcast was February 11th. Uh, the Jets have gone on a bit of a run, a bit of a skid since then. Uh, what have your thoughts have been basically over the last month for the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, so uh, it's been definitely up and down. I mean, ups and downs we've seen in that time. Um, it seems every day nowadays it's been in the playoffs one day, out of the playoffs the next day. So you never know what you're going to get from this team um, and regarding all the other teams as well. But it's just been it's been kind of an interesting ride over the last month and a half with uh, a few new players coming in, DeMello and Egan. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of a, been an interesting time to be a Jets fan. So let's go over the last month, the games. The Jets lost to the Rangers 4-1, lost to the Sharks 3-2, beat the Blackhawks, beat the Kings, beat the Senators. Oh my, three wins in a row. They then lost to the Flyers 4-2, lost to the Sabres 2-1, lost to the Capitals 4-3 in a shootout. And then now they've started to pick it up. They beat the Capitals 3-0. They lost to the Oilers 3-2, but then beat the Sabres 3-1. The Golden Knights 4-0. The Coyotes 4-2. So a couple of short win streaks, a couple of short losing streaks over this last month. And like you said, the addition of DeMello and Eakin. And let's look at those new players. What are your thoughts on both of them? Let's start with DeMello. Yeah, I mean, he's been exactly as advertised, right? He's in the right spot at the right time. He makes makes the right move. He makes a good pass. He does everything you want uh, in a defenseman. Uh, now being paired up with Josh Morrissey, like we've seen about the last week or so, um, that can definitely be a top pairing uh, for most NHL teams, two really good, solid uh, defensemen. Um, and I think ideally they can sign him, and that can be our, our top pair next year or who knows even longer than that, two, three, four years in a row now. Now, this is a player who the Jets paid almost nothing for. And when we were talking at the deadline, I think our last podcast, we were it was just before the trade deadline, and we were talking potential targets for the Jets, and we were kind of talking about these players. It's I think we have talked about DeMello a little bit too, but that was just early on and with a very small sample size. These are moves made by the Jets that cost very little. And honestly, Cody Eakin has done, in my opinion, just as well as Kevin Hayes, if not better, than what we saw from Kevin Hayes last year, and that was a first-round pick. This year was a conditional third and fourth. Or what do you say about that move? I, I'm, I don't know if I'm sold on Eakin yet. I mean, um, yeah, sure, he scored the game winner um, yesterday, so so that's something. Um, but before that, I mean, he's shown some, some glimpses with Ehlers and Line A. I don't know if he's a great fit between them. He just can't, he can't quite keep up, but... But it is what it is, and if that's what you're going to run, which Palmieri seems to be doing, um, you're going to have to fit. Um, the interesting thing for me is uh, the Hayes trade last year. We paid more, and then Palmieri stuck him on the fourth line. Uh, if you remember kind of into that playoff run, all of a sudden Hayes was playing hardly any time and getting no minutes. 
Egan now getting a chance with the best players, and no wonder he's producing. You put anybody with Ehlers and Liney, they're going to pick up the points. Um, That's kind of my thought on that. But but he has been, I think, better than advertised. A lot of people wondering why we brought in a depth guy like that, that the Jets don't really need another bottom six player. Um, we already had a full bottom six at that point. When guys start getting healthy, what's going to happen? But but he's been good, good enough to be in the lineup, for, in, in my opinion. And the one thing that I've noticed when watching him is that he's been pretty defensively responsible. There's been plays where he's coming back in the neutral zone, he's coming back on defense, he's lifting sticks, he's making those plays, and it's just kind of stuck out to me. It's not necessarily the offense, and yes, recency, seeing him score that game winner obviously helps, but I'm talking about some of his other things that we've seen, some of the defensive things, and that can sometimes rub off on other players, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, and when you talk about depth that's been such a problem for the Jets this year and even if Cop does go back to that second line role or Wheeler moves back to that or if you move Eakin down in the lineup it only helps because in my opinion Nick Shore is not that great Harkins has been playing up kind of above maybe where some people expected Appleton's kind of been playing well kind of right where you want him to be but they've had guys like Shaw and the fourth line has been a rotating mess at times this year with getting very limited ice time so bringing in a guy like Eakin even if he doesn't last there at the second line I still like some of his defensive abilities and he's better than a lot of the guys that they've had already on the fourth line this year and so when you look over the last couple of games the big thing for the Winnipeg Jets has been the playoff race and we you mentioned that before every day you check the standings one day they're in one day they're out there's been some spacing where the Jets have had some time off between games here lately which isn't necessarily a bad thing going down the stretch the only bad part is is that teams leapfrog them in the standings and so with 12 games left for the Jets where do you put their probability of making the playoffs yeah I mean it's tough if you're looking at uh, some statistical models you're looking at like a a 20 to 30 percent chance um, just due to the fact that they still have those more games played than a, a number of teams behind them. But that being said, that 30% chance, if those teams lose tonight and tomorrow in their next games, all of a sudden that probably bounces up to about 40 or 50%. So, I mean, statistically you're looking at slightly um, worse odds of getting in, as far as I'm aware. Um, but as far as, uh, in my opinion, I mean, I think they can do it. I mean, it, it's entirely up to them. They play Calgary a couple times. Uh, they know, I know they got Nashville in there as well. They're playing teams that they are racing against. If you can pull off a couple wins, I mean, simple as that, you're in the playoffs. Well, you look at their next little stretch here, and we're going to go for a few games. They play the Oilers and Flames, Canucks, who they're battling for a wild card spot with, and the Wild. And they play the Florida Panthers in one of the games on St. Patrick's Day. But in five games... That's three teams that are right around them in the standings. Two, specifically, Canucks and Wild, that they're battling for a playoff split. That's just out of the next five games. You go a little further, they play the Stars, who, if the Jets keep winning, they're only four back of Dallas. They could still catch Dallas for third in the Central. And then they play the Predators next. So out of the next seven, there's so many games in division and against teams that are right next to them in the standings. And so every game is so important right now for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think they know that. They're talking about it. Everybody's talking about it right now. It's got that, it kind of feels like a playoff atmosphere already in Winnipeg. Do you feel that? Maybe a little bit. I don't know if I really felt that the last few games. I mean, the Jets played well. But as far as the playoff atmosphere, I think we're still a long ways off from what what we actually see come playoff time. I know people like to 
to shove around the phrase it's a playoff atmosphere out there, but like it, it's not. It, it's not really. No, yeah, it's you, a game you you need to win. They say, but you don't. You don't actually. It, it's not the playoffs. It's not like the playoffs. The players can pretend it's like the playoffs, but it's not. Let's be real. We no, know it's not. No, I agree with you that the play on the ice isn't necessarily playoff like. Although the intensity, I would argue, has ratcheted up on the ice, in my opinion, but it's still not playoff-like. I'm talking about as far as fans go, and at least in my own personal opinion, there has been good stretches of the season where I haven't been paying close attention to the standings. I am now watching the standings every day. Okay, how did the Jets do last night? How did the teams around them do? Where are they? Are they in? Are they not? I'm checking on a daily basis to see where they are in comparison to a playoff spot. And that's kind of where, in my opinion, it's kind of playoff-like because my focus on the Jets has really been ratcheted up here in the last couple of weeks. And maybe it's just from the fan perspective. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, I'm also checking more frequently and that sort of thing. I mean, I watch every game pretty much regardless of what goes on. But um, I think a term like uh, a playoff-type atmosphere is difficult in Winnipeg because we know the playoff atmosphere in the city of Winnipeg is not even remotely close to regular season, right? Like with the whiteout parties, you're getting tens of thousands of people partying, rallying, all these sorts of things. You're not seeing anything remotely close because it's regular season. So you can't, like maybe other cities, you could be close to a playoff atmosphere. I do agree the building has been louder. It seems like the fans are more engaged. But as far as the playoff atmosphere... In Winnipeg, that's that's really tough to do. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you with that. And so now, going down the stretch, uh, do we want to break this into another segment, or do you want to do this right here, looking at some player combinations and players coming back and the way that they've been playing lately? Do you want to include this here? We'll do another segment. Okay, sounds good. That'll be coming up in segment number two, looking at some of the players coming back. So we were talking about Cody Eakin a little bit before uh, playing on the second line right now. He was brought in to increase the depth, mainly because of injuries. But we're seeing some of those guys returning. Matthew Perot made a, a big debut against the Vegas Golden Knights the other day, scoring a goal, actually, in his debut. And then Adam Lowry making his return last night after a month and a half. Lays a huge hit on the opening shift, gets in a fight seconds later. Just a huge return for both those players and a huge boost to the bottom six. So now, with the way the lineup is set up, and we were talking about Eakin before, how do you like this setup? Is it kind of what you're hoping for? Is it kind of what you want as a Jets fan? But just looking at forwards right now, not defense. Yeah, I mean, as far as the forwards go, the only thing is that second-line center, but if Ehlers and Line can produce um, with Eakin, you're fine. Obviously, you'd want an ideal, better second-line center, and we've said that every single year. We'll probably continue saying that. Um, but Ehlers and Line have progressed enough that they can drive a line themselves. They don't need anybody to drive the play for them like they have in previous seasons. Um, I think we're seeing that, especially now with Egan. They don't need him to drive the line. Um, and as far as the bottom six, there's many, many combinations you can do. Lowry and Kopp historically have been really good together. You could split those guys up. Um, and then I think it's just you pretty much plug and play the wingers with um, guys like Appleton, Rosovic can go on any of the bottom six. Um, Harkins, when he's in the lineup, if, even if he's out, like Perot has played with Lowry, and they, I think he's He's played with Cop, so I think this the bottom six, you just mix and match, and who cares? It was noticeably different with Perot and especially Adam Lowry in the lineup compared to what they had before. Just taking out Bork and taking out Harkins, you just notice, especially on that fourth line, when it's now Perot, Shore, and Appleton, 
there's just something different. You notice a little bit more when they're on the ice. They might actually get a chance. They might actually get out there a little bit more when Perot's in the lineup. And then with Lowry, Kopp, and Roslevic, I thought they looked not bad. I think they still can get better once uh, Lowry kind of gets a few games kind of under his belt, kind of gets back up to speed. And I thought he had a good game, don't get me wrong, but I think that there's still room for that line to get better. And so right now they have options. Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler... They've had some chemistry, obviously, in seasons past, and a lot of people have complained that they should have split that line up. I don't mind keeping them together here for a little bit down the stretch. Kyle Connor's been scoring a lot lately. He's the number five-ranked left winger in the league. Uh, That line actually is the fifth-ranked first line, or uh, the the fifth-ranked line number one in the league, if that makes sense. And this is according to Daily Faceoff. They have some uh, player ratings from Corsica Hockey. And so that line has been really good. But then the rest of the line's kind of middle of the pack. And so I think there is still some room to tinker with the lines. And it's one of those things you can move Perot up and down the lineup. You can move Appleton up and down. Whether you move a guy like Shifley, or not Shifley, but you move maybe Wheeler back down and you move Eakin around and Appleton kind of moves up. There's so many more combinations because, in my opinion, Bork was really hindering the lineup. I'm not a big fan of Nick Shore either. I think that uh, getting somebody like Harkins in and then moving even a Roslovic to the center and then you move Appleton up with Lowry and Kopp and then you go Perot, Roslovic, and Harkins, I think that could have an impact as a fourth line. I personally like the game of Harkins over Shore. Uh, and then even with Cop as a center as well, they've got centermen playing on the wing right now. What do you think about that? What would your ideal combination be? Or is there somebody else who would you rather see instead of Shore? Yeah, there's so many options. I know when Maurice was asked the question, he mentioned Shore stayed in. Harkins came out um, specifically because of the penalty killing and uh, Harkins not killing penalties. Shore being one of the units. Um, so, I mean, it is what it is. Um, as far as that's concerned, if you're concerned about that. But I agree, you can run essentially everybody at center. We've seen Wheeler there, we've seen Roslevic there, we've seen uh, Kopp there, and right now none of them are playing center. So you can easily run, um, we've seen Kopp at that second line center role. We've seen Kopp historically play that fourth line center role with Matthew Perot. We've seen that in years past. We've seen Jack Roslevic play center on that fourth line. So. You don't need to keep Shore in the lineup. I don't think he's helping your PK that much. Um, you could easily move. <clears throat> I wouldn't mind seeing uh, uh, seeing Cop into that fourth line with with Perot and Appleton and maybe Harkins with with Lowry and Roslevic or just some kind of combination of that. But yeah, I think Shore is definitely um, the next one to come out of the lineup, and we might even see him come out of the lineup for Harkins in the next few games just to get a different look. Now, everybody this season has been crying for more Sammy Niku. Where are your thoughts on the defensive pairings? And just kind of looking at what they had, Morrissey and DeMello, Kulikov and Pionk, Beaulieu and Pullman. I also want to just put in a little side note here. Uh, my son loves, for some reason, Neil Pionk. I honestly have no idea why. Uh, but literally every time he touches the ice, he's like, Pionk! He, po- he points them out. Every single time. I don't know if he likes the number four and he just notices. I don't know if he likes the name Pionk or what. But uh, uh, Neil Pionk, a big fan uh, in our house. So we definitely cheer him on. But what are your thoughts on the defense? Yeah, I think uh, the Jets are probably running their best defensive pairings they have all season long. I think most fans would agree. Uh, as far as Sammy Niku is concerned, I mean, he's hurt, right? He got hurt a few weeks ago, um, spraining his ankle uh, before a game, uh, reportedly playing soccer. 
um, rolled it, whatever the case may be. He's still probably out for a week or two. Um, and even when he's back, there's likely no way he's back in the lineup um, because Pullman and Beaulieu have been has been solid as a third pair. I think those guys are good third-pairing defensemen, Beaulieu and Pullman. Um, I think Kulikov is ideally a third-pairing defenseman, but he is serviceable as as a top four with Pionk. They've been playing fairly well together. And like we mentioned a little bit before, DeMello and Morrissey, easily the top pairing. Um, they can be and are a number one pairing in the NHL. Um, so I think the defense is the best that we've seen. Um, as far as Spiza, I'm, I'm, I think he's still hurt. He won't likely make it back in the lineup unless there's more injuries. I think the defense we have right now is the defense we're running probably till till the end of the season. Yeah, and so according to Daily Faceoff, uh, Niku is day-to-day, same with Potato, and Spiza is on the IR. And so those guys being out, I'm right there with you. This is, and honestly, top to bottom, the best lineup we've seen all year. Just with so many guys, other than probably, I guess, when Brian Little was in at the beginning of the year. But again, they had no Cody Eakin and no Dylan DeMello. But Overall, top to bottom, I think right now the Jets have the best lineup with guys healthy and in the right spots. Beaulieu and Pullman are by far the best third pairing we've had all year long. I'm not a fan of Dahlstrom or Boteto. Boteto is kind of a boat anchor out there as far as I'm concerned uh, and not in a good way. And so when you look at the lineup, they're ready to go for a run to the playoffs. or Not necessarily a run in the playoffs, but a run to the playoffs if they can keep everybody healthy down the stretch, I think if you're going to peak, now would be the time. You mentioned this is the best lineup we've seen top to bottom, and that would also include the goaltending. Connor Hellebuck has been sensational uh, recently, really, really strong against the Golden Knights in that shutout. Uh, made some really big saves against Arizona, too. He's been excellent um, as of late, and I mean, the Jets need him to be the best player on the ice if they have a shot. Uh, we've seen all year the Jets cannot limit the dangerous chances against. Uh, they just continually leak shots from the inner slot. Hellebuck's been phenomenal, easily um, should be in the running for Vesna, getting some some potential consideration for Hart from uh, from Jets fans. When you look at the advanced numbers, Hellebuck right near the top of the league in goals saved above expected, um, and all those sorts of things. There's a few different metrics out there for goaltenders taking uh, based on the shots they faced, what their save percentage should be. Um, looking at what they've actually saved and kind of um, seeing what the difference is. Hellebuck, um, as far as I'm aware, has saved the most goals uh, among any goaltender in the league uh, just based on his workload. So uh, hats off to him. He's been sensational and uh, hopefully he can lead the team going forward. All right, so for the last segment, uh, we are kind of going in a little bit of a foray into the medical world. I'm not a medical expert Neither are you, Kyle. Uh, just me speaking for you. I don't know how much research you've done. But the coronavirus is affecting sporting events around the world, and it could be coming uh, to the NHL. There is talk out of San, uh, San Jose, one of the first teams that are being affected by this, is the fact that in that uh, county where they are, uh, you're not allowed to have gatherings of more than 1,000 people. Uh, and that's... Uh, a rule, a law there that they've put into effect because of this coronavirus that's spreading around the world. There's a bunch of cases in that area. And so out of San Jose, for the rest of the month, no gatherings of over a 1,000. So that would include San Jose Sharks games. There's potential now that they could play without fans. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think this is actually going to happen? What are your thoughts on this whole situation, Kyle? 
Well, the first thing you mentioned is this is the first sporting event affected, uh, but not really because first we see NHL. the Women's World first Championships. NH- first NHL. Right, Sorry. because we saw the Women's World Championships just be cancelled. Right? Right. It, it's supposed to be hosted in Halifax uh, in not too far off, but it's just it's just done. They're not having it. Um, I think we, well, we also saw a few weeks ago um, LeBron James speaking to the media about this exact same issue with, uh, with the LA Lakers. The what if you had to play a game with no fans, and and his view was essentially like no, like that you just can't do that. The reason he plays is is for the fans, and I, I understand the mindset. I'm very curious to see how the situation plays out uh, in, in San Jose. As far as I'm aware, uh, San Jose out on a road trip right now has at least a week to, um, to decide kind of what's going on. But like you said, um, some regulations coming into place. Is there ways around those regulations? Will they even try? Do they even just postpone the games until the end of the season and just buy a few more weeks? I, there's plenty of things that might get looked at. Um, I think the absolute last resort is is playing without fans. The other option I heard, too, is that they could potentially try and find a neutral site out of the immediate region where you could still get some San Jose fans uh, coming to cheer them on. That would be an option. Even a smaller rink would be better than a rink with no fans. Obviously, you're going to be losing tons in gate revenue, uh, but I know that that's not the county's problem. And, and whether you... And we're not really going to get into the validity of canceling these events or the danger of the outbreak of all that kind of thing, because that's not really what we do here on this podcast. And again, like I said, neither of us are experts, but when it comes to playing without fans, that's kind of where we can speculate and that's kind of where we can come in as a podcast. I would, I think it would be very eerie playing without fans. It'd be kind of like a practice or a skate or kind of like an exhibition game. I, I, I think it would definitely hurt teams, especially the Winnipeg Jets, uh, coming down the stretch. Your building is huge. We look at the Jets here over the last couple of games. They've been winning games at home. Their fans are cheering them on. And yes, sometimes you win at home because you you can sleep in your own bed. You don't have to be traveling all day before you play a game. You can rest and you can have your routine. But the other part is having your fans there behind you, cheering you on. And then with all of that taken away... It would definitely hurt, and especially for the Winnipeg Jets on home ice. And so I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope that the Jets can play all of their games at home like normal and it doesn't get affected, but who knows? And then the worst-case scenario, all of a sudden you start canceling games. What happens if the playoffs get canceled? Could you imagine? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. um, The interesting thing for me, like you said, maybe not good news for Winnipeg, if they were to have to play with no fans because of the atmosphere, but what about what about the road games, right? Like for for the Jets, if they're going on a huge road trip, like we've seen their three game road trip out west, uh, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. What if you got to play all three of those teams with no fan base cheering against you, right? Like th- that's the other side of things. If you're on the road, like we see the Jets are, maybe that's a good thing, right? Like you probably don't want the other teams fans. Some people say, yeah, we like to quiet the fans. Well, they're going to be silent because they're not even there. So that's the other side of it is that maybe it's not bad for away teams. There's no more home ice advantage. Play the game. Other Best than, team wins. Yeah, other than travel. And so there's that's always going to be a factor. Uh, the Jets, fun fact, have eight out of their last 12 games on the road. So this just, again, we'll see whether or not it's a factor in other communities and other cities. And so I'm interested to see how it's going to play out. I wonder how long this whole coronavirus... Um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Not excitement, but the whole coronavirus at the forefront, how long it's going to last and how long it's going to stay affecting these types of big events. And and we've seen with SARS and we've seen with H1N1 and all these other illnesses that have kind of really caught national and world headlines. Eventually, it does kind of just drift away as they kind of get ahead of it and they kind of stop the spread and outbreak. It's Yeah, so I guess the big question is how long is it going to take? Yeah, the other thing for me is is it gonna is anything gonna happen team wide? We're talking about the games. <clears throat> as far as the NBA is concerned, they're no longer shaking hands before the games. Um, you're not supposed to be interacting that sort of thing. NBA is a very hands-on sport. Basketball, just the nature of it. Hockey, not so much. But what are we gonna see with? Uh, we talked about sharing water bottles in the past. That's been news stories among um, minor league NHL teams. All of a sudden, one player sick, everybody's sick. The the way for um, flus and viruses to spread in sports is ridiculous compared to normal life, right? So for me, that's that's a huge risk um, just as far as the teams are concerned, playing each other, just that, that daily interaction at the rink every day, sharing water, sharing this, that, the other thing. Um, for me, it's going to be interesting if there's going to be any sort of uh, limitations on teams going forward. Uh, it's real, I mean, like you said, we'll just have to wait and see, um, but that could be an interesting aspect as well. To me, it's a little bit, I don't, and again, I'm not a medical expert, and so maybe I shouldn't even weigh in on this, and so uh, maybe I'll just leave it there, and so we'll have to wait and see how this all plays out and how this all uh, comes to a head and whether or not games are actually played in front of uh, empty buildings. I would imagine we could see a couple. I don't think it's going to be league-wide, but again, who knows? I think at this point, we're all just guessing. Well, that does it for today's podcast. If there's anything else you want us to mention, hit us up on Twitter. We are at Jets and Podcast. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.